Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Evening Jones. You know, normally I'd like to try to give you guys some anecdotes from my life, you know, just to, you know, make, you know, color or something like that. I don't know. I don't even know necessarily if anything so clever or cracker happened in the last couple of weeks, man. We've just been doing this TV show. And I guess I will say this about this TV show. Now, I need you guys to understand. I recognize that my life has been a little bit charmed with regard to like some work type stuff. Like I've had some pretty easy breezy sorts of situations. So this is the first time in legitimately nine years that I've had a morning commute. I just want to say that I feel like the average working man doesn't really get enough credit for that. I really don't because it has definitely had an effect on my quality of life and not one that I would consider to be positive. Like, I don't think it's just been awful. Like I'm, my life's better now that I got a little routine. You know, I feel like a productive member of American society. You know, I get on the train, I hold on, I get a little work done on the phone, you know, while I'm there, all that stuff, you know, but I got me like a little rhythm to it. All of that, bruh. See what I'm saying? Y'all again. I've always been about, you know, getting on my grind. You know, I ain't never really have no problem getting on my grind. But, man, it was so much better getting on the grind at the crib. Like, even when I was doing a morning radio show, like, I had a morning radio show went from 7 to 10. But I did it from the crib. So I could wake up literally at 6.45, roll out of bed, and go over there. Man, now I got to get up and go and do all this, man. I've been getting home, getting off work. Oh, yeah, and I got to wear, normally I got to wear my gear out like suits and stuff, man. I be coming home in here, and it is hurry up and put on your play clothes. Yeah. See, I never lived close enough to the house when I was a kid for this, like, you know, put on your play clothes option. That really wasn't going down, man. I was at my mama at work till whenever, so I might as well just rock out what I had going by the time I get to the crib. Wow, home phone rang. Let me tell you about when my home phone rings, and I ain't getting up to get it. I don't know who had this phone number before I did, but uh, he appears to owe people money. Like they, they be calling all the time for that cat. And my man said, you still got a home phone. Yeah, I still got a home phone because I used to do a lot more radio hits out the house. So there's something to, you know, having a landline. It makes a significant difference. So, you know, you go ahead and have that. But, uh, and, and, and when you lose your cell phone, it's helpful to have a home phone that you can use to call and try to find it. I mean, I'm going to lie to you. It's kind of a luxury of like being paid. Whatever that little money, amount, like, I don't even know what it is, right? Whatever that little money amount that that home phone calls is whatever. You know, that's all it is. Oh, yeah, but that morning commuting thing. Nah, man, I I feel y'all. I really, really do. I feel y'all. Anyway, let us move on to your questions as I got here a little late. What, if anything, have you found most challenging about doing your TV show as to compare it with when you were running your radio show? Um... I mean, I think one thing that's important to note here is that I have done a television show before. 
Like, this is not new. Now, this is different in the sense that I'd probably say I'm more hands-on with the stuff that goes on with the show than I was at Highly Questionable. Highly Questionable was built to operate um, in a different way. And I don't know if I have, like, any particular – like, I don't think about, like, radio and TV in that way where I'm like, well, what's challenging about this versus challenging about that? Like, this is – I mean, in line with what I guess you're pointing toward or asking, I mean, yeah, it's different when I basically get to decide what's going on you know, versus having to talk these things out with other people. But I don't know if I would never necessarily call that a challenge. And on top of that, I wouldn't necessarily call it a challenge, but it's helpful to have people there to help make your ideas better. And I got a few more of those than I've ever had on a radio operation, like more in quantity. Like Shannon was really good at giving me different things to think about. But, you know, we're just doing this a little bit differently now. So, yeah, no, this is just. I mean, this is what I'd say about doing a TV show. Doing a TV show is harder than it looks. Like, I think that people, okay, people have this general thing. Any job that they would want to do, they don't think of it as being work because they think they'd love doing it so much that it wouldn't feel like work. And I'm here to tell you, man, that's some bullshit. And I see why you might say that, but I'm just telling you, man, like, that's some bullshit. Like, I, I enjoy my job. I like what I do. I recognize that I'm fortunate to be able to, you know, all that stuff, right? Like, all of that is gotten. But it doesn't change the fact that it's a job. Like, so TV is harder than it looks. So we're on, um, you know, we're on for an hour, man. People are showing up in the office at like seven o'clock or something like that. Like, you know, I'm not one of them, but I'm just saying, like, there's a level of work that goes into this. We in that document at night, you know, figuring out what's going to be on the show for the next day. Like, it's, it's a it's a grind to it. Um but the actual act of like what goes on once we're on camera, like, look, once we line up, whatever it is that we're going to talk about, baby, next thing we just going to do is talk. And I think for some people that could be very difficult. I am not one of those people. You know, like I'm pretty good at that. So that's about that. Appreciate the questions. Check this next one. Is getting caught cheating the best thing that ever happened to the latter half of Jay-Z's career? Uh, I guess that all depends on what you think this is actually doing for his career, right? Now, I feel like we can split Jay-Z's career up into halves, except the halves aren't equal, and I understand that that's not what half means, but you'll understand what I'm saying. I think the line of demarcation on Jay-Z's career really is American Gangster. Now, you could say the Black Album, but like, you know, the Black Album was at that first retirement. But Kingdom Come comes over after the Black Album. And I think the Kingdom Come was still Jay-Z, like, trying to be a big rap star. American Gangster, I felt, was Jay-Z really, by and large, trying to make music that he wanted to make. Um, I could say that Blueprint 3 was probably a little bit more like commercially ambitious in that way. But I really feel like from American Gangster on that he's made music much more for what he's wanted to do. Like that, that's so that's the line to me. With that in mind, I don't really see how this has helped his career. Like what it did was give him some stuff to talk about on that 444 record. But, like, I don't feel like 
the Beyonce marital drama has been helpful for him. I think that it has proven to be commercially viable for her. But now this dude is out here on a tour performing in front of tens of thousands of people who, if we be honest here, ain't really feeling him right now. They're not. They're not feeling this dude. And look, here's the next level of it, man. As I understand it, my man is doing, like, song cry at these shows on this current tour. This dude has added a new verse to song cry that's about Beyonce. Bruh, this dude ain't just got to apologize to her. He's apologizing to everyone. Everyone. A whole nation. Yes. Whole world. Really? Right now, they ain't even in America right now. Whole world. How that good for his career? How's that, how's that positive for him? Like, what is he getting out of this? Jay-Z is the rapper that Jay-Z is going to be, right? Like, his thing is done. That book has been written. Jay-Z does not have to make another record ever again. And I don't I mean, I think he makes records because he feels like it. But, no, nah, this isn't helping him at all. Uh, speaking of which, I listened to that uh, Jay-Z Beyonce record. Or it should be the Beyonce Jay-Z record. I apologize. I listened to it. And... This is the this is what I get out of that record. Like not even like thematically cuz I haven't had that much time to go through it in that way, but whatever. Um It's an album that was rushed. Like the beats are very good and it feels like an album where the dudes who worked on the beats like had time to really get in there and work on the beats. But um it's something that's kind of missing from that album. like, And so they recorded it really, really quickly. Uh, they said that the last touches were put on it three hours before it went up. But they did it really, really fast. And so here's the thing about when people record albums in very short periods of time. When they're good, they sound like almost furious. Like they have to either capture some sort of spirit or just capture a very particular like moment in time. But if you're going to do a record in like two weeks, you got to capture something. Because if you don't capture something, the thing just really sounds rushed. It just, I mean, it's just not there. Like, I feel like there's a level of like, I don't know if it's that it lacks like a, a perfectionist. Like, I have a hard time explaining what it is. But you can like listen to Lemonade and listen to this. And you can tell, man, there's a totally different feel there. There's an energy to it that's just not there on this record. Almost to the point where it's like, well, if y'all had more time, y'all would record more songs. And if you recorded more songs, you'd have more good songs. And then the songs that wound up on the album would actually be better. And that's the feeling that I got off of this. 
I also will say that that song they had about how happy and how in love they are. Yo, man, we don't believe you. You need more people. You did not sound that convincing, even after telling us some horribly awkward details about y'all's get down. Like Beyonce talked about how she about ran up on him because he introduced her to like, what are y'all doing? Why are you, why are you, why are you doing this? But see, here's the other level of it. I saw somebody make a point before about how Jay-Z and Beyonce give you this veneer of privacy. Because they are private. They're private in the sense that they make sure that nobody else tells us anything that they don't want to tell us, but they do like to tell us stuff. They do. You know, and you go to the concerts and they do the stuff with like the, you know, home movies and pictures from the crib and stuff like that. No, no, no. They give you, they give it to you. You might have to buy a ticket to get it, but they give it to you. Um, But they give you what they want. And so a lot of this feels like more of this, like, giving what they want, which is they made the decision to brand their marriage. Like, simple as that. Somebody said you can't remember the last interview Beyonce did. Beyonce hasn't done an interview in at least four years. At least. But no, they branded their marriage. And this is what happens when you brand your marriage, which I just don't think is a very good idea. I think people just have this whole thing where they brand their relationships, and I just don't think that's what you should do. But that's a decision they made a long time ago. And now they're all the way in it. And here's the thing, man. Once you let people in your business, it's like letting people in your house. It's really hard to kick them out. It's really, really hard to kick them out. And so now we all there. And now Jay-Z got to go do these shows with us all there, up in his business. Yeah. That doesn't sound fun. Do they look like they're having fun? Do they look like they're having fun? Like in that video, they got that one scene where they look at each other and they smile. Yo, that's the best smile they could get out of them. That was the best one. Yo, this is not comfortable. This No, this doesn't seem like what's hot in the streets. It does not. It doesn't sound like it's any fun for Jay-Z. Not even a little bit. Jay-Z looking like he on that Johnny Taylor. And I don't really know what Beyonce doing because she don't look like she having that much fun with this either. She just, she just does it. And think about this. Just take a moment. Granted, this thing was done fast, everything else, whatever. Think about how much more ambitious Lemonade was than this album that they did together. Now, let me ask you this. Do you think that without Jay-Z, that Beyonce is more likely to make a more or less ambitious album? Just saying. Just saying. Uh, I will say this, though. The beat on that Love Happy joint is, whoo! Like, they made an odd choice of what song to put on top of that beat, but them snares on that bad boy slap. Slap, slap, slap. In fact, let me look now. And uh, check who did that beat, because I did not get a chance to look up who did that beat, because that bad boy slaps. Uh, some, I don't even know who those people are. Mm. Ain't that something? By the way, it's your friendly reminder that Jay-Z should humble himself and open for his woman. Appreciate the question. Let me see what else we got here. <laughs> 
Why do you suddenly hate Twitter? I think the mistake in this question is the use of the word suddenly. I would also say that the word hate is probably a bit strong. But I think I've talked about this on here before, and if I haven't, I think I'll do it again, and it won't take very long. It's very simple. Go through your timeline. Now, look, I follow like 4,000 people, so it's like a wide range of people that I follow that are generally talking about a wide range of things. Everybody seems so on edge all the time. Everybody seems so angry all the time. And look, there's a lot of things to be angry about. I understand that. I'm just not really getting a lot of value of swimming in it all the time. It's not like there's nothing to talk about. So, like, let me run this one by you. So, I, uh, my man Wally Sparks hit me and was like, yo, you need to check out that J-Rock. I'm like, all right, cool. I'll check out that J-Rock. And I listen to that J-Rock. And I'm like, yo, this is banging, man. Like, I like me a good old-fashioned grimy gangster rapper who can really rap. And that's what we got here. So, you know, I was with that. And so I got on this morning while I was on the train. I'm like, yo, this J-Rock's kind of flame emoji, flame emoji, flame emoji. So, of course, I had a whole bunch of people with kind of question mark. And I'm like, dog, can't you appreciate the literary device of me saying kind of and then using the hyperbole of flames? Like, can't you see what's going on here? So, anyway, that happens. Then I got some cat who responds to me like, yo, you washed. That came out six days ago. Six days, bro. Six days. It's no fun. Like, it's really no fun, like, for me. For me. And, you know, where I quote unquote am or however you want to put it, it stops being fun, you know? So, yeah, we'll see how that goes. Um, by the way, while I'm talking about these music things, I'll mention a couple of things here. Number one, I see people asking me about triple extension. We actually looked it up at work. I don't really know anything about this dude. Um, I've seen the things that people have said about the, you know, heinous things that he has done. But I'll be honest with you. I haven't even bothered to look him up because I never listened to his music or cared anything about who he was. I don't know. So, like, he got shot in the street. Saw that in the news. I don't really have anything to offer on him. Uh, not too much. I will say this, though. I understand having no empathy for someone who has done the things that that dude did. Like, I get it. However, I cannot personally relate to, like, I don't want to say that people are bragging about a lack of empathy, but I do think the discourse surrounding him has put people in a position where they feel as though they must defend their lack of empathy for this particular person which honestly is something that I don't believe that they should have to do. That being said, 
I'm not one who believes that there's no room to have empathy for this dude. I mean, he's 20 years old and he got clapped in the street. And I do understand. Um, I do understand how someone can look at a talented person and see what maybe potential for growth would have been and, you know, to mourn what could have been even if they happen to find what the dude was in present tense to be reprehensible. The problem is it doesn't seem like the people who are saying that they wish that he could have had a chance to turn into something else. I haven't gotten any indication of how many of those people believe that what that young man did was reprehensible. Like that's what this comes down to. It doesn't seem as though, I think the best counterexample that I've seen here is all these people who say that if George Zimmerman was to die, that they would celebrate. How many of them are now people who then say that you should demonstrate some level of sympathy for triple extinaction? You see what I mean? And so it is fair to raise the question that this man committed his crimes against a woman and against someone gay that you can empathize with him in death because you don't think that what he did in that way in life is that big of a deal. That's the question that people are turning back around and a fair question. Cause again, how many people talk about how they couldn't wait to see George Zimmerman die? Now me, this puts me like for me to evaluate this, I mean, you can go check my track record on specifically like George Zimmerman. Like I'm, I'm, I'm just not one celebrating people dying. It doesn't really matter who they are. That's just for me. Um, that's just not something that I am going to do. But let me tell you something else. I'm not going to do either. I ain't going to be on the front lines of the RIP triple X tenacion, uh, army. Like, I feel like I can have those thoughts and not necessarily share them because I can understand that people ain't really trying to hear it. I can totally get it. And I say this part too. I don't really, like I said, I don't know too much about this dude. But I don't really so much know how it is that you out here living a life where somebody just comes up and claps you in the street like that. And that it happens and everybody's like, yeah, I can see it. Right. But yeah, it's not. It ain't it ain't going to be to no point where I see the death of a 20 year old to be anything like close to being a good thing. But I really don't blame anybody who doesn't care. Why should they? Appreciate the question. See what else we got here. How disappointed were you in the new Nas album? His problem with crafting a great album has typically come down to questionable beat selection, but this felt lazy and uninspired in my opinion. Look, I'm going to be honest with you, man. I gave that Nas one run. One. I did not get back to that Nas. I gave it one run, though. And you know, like, part of why I didn't come back, because Nas had me out here fact-checking in the first verse, and I was like, oh, here we go again. Like, forget about all the other issues and the fact that, like, we got a, we got a big reason to believe 
that Nas beat the hell out of his last wife and did an album that basically lied on her about what their relationship was. And he puts it out into the whole world with her wedding dress sitting on the front and all of that. And I heard that dude say something about the SWAT team was for the Black Panthers. And that's not true, is it? Right? And he also said that a black man invented Fox News. I didn't have time to look that up. I did not. Did anybody have a chance to double check that? Like, does anybody have a link that they can put into the chat room right now about the black man inventing Fox News? Because I was just like, oh, come on, Nas. But when you think about it, man, Nas is out here offering up factual inaccuracies to the children. Back on the I know I can. So if he going to do that to the kids, shit, he'll damn sure do it to you. I mean, we'd agree upon that, right? So, yeah. Nah, man. He went to full, he went to full Nas on track one. I haven't been back to it yet. I really wasn't that pressed about it. I mean, I was very curious here at Kanye and Nas album. I'm not going to lie about that. But, like, nah, I wasn't pressed. So I gave that a run. It was like, ah, oh, isn't that interesting? I tell you who I did listen to today. I'm going to have to look this up because I don't know. Like, I, I'm not at a point where I'm used to pronouncing this dude's name, and I have been shocked that I looked him up in the wiki, and he did not have a page. I had never heard of him until today. Never heard of him today until today. But this dude, I tweeted about him a little early. Let me let me put it in the uh, Google to make sure I'm getting everything right because I'm just not at a point. Yeah, Tobe, uh. In Weegway from Houston, Texas. Guys, have you heard this gentleman rap? He is incredible. I don't mean like he's kind of good. I don't mean where it's like, yo, I think this dude might have a future somewhere. I mean, this dude is cold, 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 cold. Yo, like. Like, there aren't that many people that where I hear and I'm on the first track, and I'm like, whoa, ho, 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 wait a minute. This is a different animal here, where it's not even a matter of I wonder how he's going to sound on the next track. It's like, whoa, 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 wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. I just stepped up into something else. And every single one of y'all that already knew about him and y'all didn't tell me, I'm going to say this real quick to all of y'all, fuck you. How in the world did you not put me on to this? Like, seriously, how did you not do this? So I went to the Spotify. My homegirl, Ebony, put me on it, right? So I went to, uh, I listened to the latest thing that he put out, and I was on Spotify, and I listened to the oldest thing that they had that he put out. And I was like, whoa, no, 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 no. This is, this dude is a monster an absolute monster. So somebody saying they tried to tell me, my bad, dog. If you tried to tell me and I didn't get on it, and like you saying, watch the video, somebody hit me on that today and said that I need to check it with the visuals. Bro, I don't need no visuals as of right now. I do not. And somebody's in the chat room, and they're like, who's the last guy that you felt like this? I'll be honest with you, man. Like, you guys know how much I, like, really, really, really dug crit when he came out. This is like the evolutionary crit. Like, dope as I think crit is, this dude rapping away to yeah. Like, Pack, yeah, yes, Pack is another one. I think Pack, Pack's on that same level. Y'all, as cold as y'all know that I think Pack is, just in terms of just like straight rapping, Pack is that good. I mean, he, he this, this dude, Toby, that, yo, dog, this dude is nuts. 
And look, I'm going to have to check it out again tomorrow because today was the first time that I had, you know? Like today, that was the that was the first time that I ran through it. Maybe tomorrow it'll sound different. No, 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 bro. No, bro. This is, I, I can't understand how there are not like way, 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 way more people talking about him. And let me tell you what the thing about him is. He is rapping. He is rapping. This ain't no sing-songy nothing. This dude is rapping. And again, like I was talking about with that J-Rock, I am here for somebody doing some grimy gangster rap type stuff. This dude is rapping. Yeah, get on it. For real. Like, I got to figure out which podcast to try to have this dude on. Get on it. Like, did you see how because I was like, yeah, maybe I'll mention it on the podcast today. You know, I've been listening to this, you know, try to play it cool or whatever. Because, you know, I'm not one of those people. Like, I want those people like to sit with stuff. I don't need to, like, give you an instant reaction or something like that. Like, I, that's, that's not me. I can't see any way in the world that I'm going to listen to this in two weeks and not feel the way that I am right now. I just, I just can't see how it's possible. You heard I jumped out of me right then. I was just like, oh, my God. What are you doing? So, yeah, there you go. Listen to me now. Believe me later on. Some of y'all out there checking out some of these tracks right now. Yeah, check out the, uh, what's the new joint called? The, uh, I just came across it yesterday. What's the new joint called? The new joint, the, the, the originals. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, fuck with it. Seriously. Fuck with it. Maybe at a later point, I will share with you, uh, the perhaps hyperbolic statement that I will make about Tobey. If I, if it keeps going, I keep hearing what I've been hearing. I will make my hyperbolic statement about him at a later date. Stay tuned. All right. Let me see what we got here. Why you always got a head on the phone who can't connect the beard says something on TV today about people who couldn't make their beard connect. My question for you is, how come your beard don't connect? Like, isn't that the most relevant question that we should have? Anyway, next question. I've heard your takes on recent albums such as The Yay Project and etc., but I never heard your take on the J. Cole Project, so can we hear it? Yeah, I still haven't gotten around to it. But I was listening to something else one day, and they rolled something off that last J. Cole, like after it, like a Spotify, you know, just give you something else to listen to. And that song was jamming, whatever it was called. Ain't going nowhere, man. Like the one thing about this thing with records and stuff like that is like just because y'all all pressed don't mean I got to be. That stuff gonna be there. I don't think they're gonna cut my subscription off no time soon. I get to it. All right, let me see. Oh, yeah. Has the surprise album release become the most gimmicky trend in music? And will the youngsters ever know the joy of, antici- of anticipating music? Um now nah, the the joy of anticipating music is gonna go. Part of why the joy of anticipating music is gonna go is that a while ago the paradigm had to change and people are just always putting out music. You know, like people are always putting out music, and so there's very rarely a time. And I think like Jay Z is kind of like to me like the guy that I really remember kind of super ushering this in, which is you never go away. 
you're always there. You know, from 1996 to 2003, I don't think there was a time that Jay-Z ever gave us a chance to miss him. You got a Jay-Z song every summer. Every summer, you got a new, you had a Jay-Z song to rock with. Uh, Summer 96 was Ain't No. Summer 97 was uh, the joint from Sprung, Who You With. Summer 98, which one was the Summer 98? I can't remember which one was Summer 98. Uh, Wasn't Summer 99, Big Pimpin'? Summer 2000, Summer 2000 was I Just Want to Love You. Summer 2001, wasn't that uh, H to the Izzo, V to the Izzo? I can't remember what Summer 2002 was. But either way, he gave us one every summer. Everyone. And so the mixtapes and everything else, man, cats never people never disappeared. So people then just had this expectation of just having music. But the thing that's happened is the big buildup, it doesn't really pay the dividends that it used to. So there was something that was cool about it, but the market has changed. So it's not going to be that. So no, people are not going to wind up having that. But I don't think the surprise release is even a gimmick anymore. I think that the means of trans of like spreading information are so different now that one person waking up and finding that there's a new J. Cole album is enough to get the word out that there's a new J. Cole album. Like, even if you don't have to worry about leaks and stuff like that, like that there is enough. When the Beyonce formation video went up, as I recall, the formation video was up and it was on like an unlisted YouTube page. And it still got out. Like, you don't have to do it in that same way. Now, Brian's saying that uh, lead singles really don't matter as much. And it's still, yeah. Well, no, the lead single is still a thing. Like, part of the worry they had over there about that Drake album is the lead single didn't really hit. Like, the, the um, not the lead, but the, the, the nice for what hit, but the I'm upset joint, people weren't really here for it. And so, like, that stuff still matters. But, no, you don't have to do that buildup anymore. Beyonce took it to a whole new level, though, because, look, Beyonce didn't just drop an album on you that first time. Beyonce dropped an album and with videos for every song. And then Beyonce did the lemonade thing where she dropped a movie on you or whatever the hell it was. And you didn't even think about it. And it turned out to be a visual album. And then the album came behind it. So with Beyonce, it wasn't just, Hey, I woke up and there was an album, right? Like the U2 album that showed up on your iPhone. And it wasn't that, that wasn't how she did it. There was a lot more that surrounded it. So there wasn't a rollout with that with the Beyonce stuff, but you basically got everything that you got from a rollout. Everybody else is just putting the record out. And I don't blame them. I don't blame them at all. All right, let me see if I got anything else here that I feel like talking about. Has your present changed your perception of what you previously considered your failures slash successes? Nah, not really. Um, I made peace with the things I failed at. I did. And I think I've told you this before, but a very important factor for me making peace with the failures that I'd had was a family and the people that was closest to me didn't look at me any different. Like, I felt like when I came up short in those ways that it was going to wind up like it was going to prove that they were wrong. And they never thought that that was any sign that they were wrong about any of those things or that any of us were wrong about those things. So now, like, like where I am now, all the things that I thought were successes before we're kind of we're successes for very particular reasons. Um, and it's been a long time since I did anything that I did not think was a success. But the reasons that I thought they were successful were pretty clear. So like when I did the YouTube videos for SB Nation, we didn't really get great traffic on those. You know, it was like it wasn't like the world was watching those videos. We didn't change the game. 
But I thought that that time was highly successful. And it was highly successful for me. One, I was working with my dudes. And two, I think that we were doing really good work. And it prepared me for a lot of the things that I'm doing now. Like we write leads over with, uh, with High Noon. Like we write out, you know, short scripts of sorts for those A block topics. I learned how to write those out doing that YouTube stuff. Like that was preparation for what this was. I learned a lot um, in the course of doing that. So like even if the numbers weren't necessarily the greatest on that, I found that to be a success, but I thought it was a success at the time. But it's not like I do the things I do now. And then I look back on that and I'm like, damn, the videos only got like 20,000 views. You know, I don't look at it that way. I, I mean, I think those videos still stand up, man. You brought those things are six years old now. And, you know, I think they still, I think they're good work. I think they still stand up and I'm still like proud of them in the way that I was proud of them at that time. You know, like there's nothing, there's nothing that I've done right now that's made me look back at things that were big deals when they happened and made me say, man, those aren't even big deals anymore. Nah, they were big deals then for reasons. And the reason that they were big deals then, like make them remain being big deals then. Like the first time I wrote an article for page two, that was a big deal, man. The piece wasn't that good in retrospect, but that was a big deal. And it don't, and it remains like being a big deal. So nah. Nah, I guess, and also to be honest, man, I ain't really been in a position where I felt like reevaluating any of my failures. Why? For what? And they were what they were. I just made the piece. But all right, man, ladies and gentlemen, thanks for joining us here on the Evening Jones. We try to do this thing once a week. It only comes out once every couple of weeks, but it happens. My man Lance Gilliam handles everything behind the scenes. Thank you. All right, remember, if you can't watch the Evening Jones live, subscribe to the podcast, subscribe to the iTunes store, subscribe at Stitcher Radio. Check us out at SoundCloud. We are also at the Google Play Store. Uh, also, check out the Right Time Podcast and check out High Noon, noon Eastern on ESPN, Monday through Friday. Honestly, man, I think this show is getting good. Like, it's not as good now as it's going to be. And, I mean, you know, people have told me all kinds of things they think we can improve upon, and most of those things they're probably correct on. But if you have not checked it out, like I sincerely tell you, man, I really think it's something you ought to give a look to. We're flipping it up a little bit, and I think it's going well. So check us out. Take it easy.